Final Anthony Wong month recap. That's right, with the streamers are falling, we got balloons, we walked in with showgirls, and all this you would have appreciated if you hadn't skimped and just opted for the audio version and paid the little extra for the visual version, so your loss. But tonight we are going to be counting down the final entries that made up Anthony Wong month as we continued our goal of hitting 31 Anthony Wong movies in 31 days. A project which has now given us the clear indication that while Anthony Wong has certainly made a lot of movies and some of them not so great, Anthony Wong has put in absolutely zero bad performances. Tonight, though, we find a movie that is worse than The Medallion. We check out some Cat Free stuff. We look at a trilogy of films that we believe is still better than a lot of people believe Scorsese's remake of it is. And we find a sequel that is arguably better than the original. But kicking things off, I'm going to move these things around, Stephen, so... Okay, I'll be on my toes. I'm going to move this around because otherwise he's going to, we're going to hit a bit of a high and then it's going to end on a, a crushing low. It's like, you know, when someone plays like tenderness, there's like the big celebration music rather than, you know, Motorhead that we opt to because, you know, we do things properly here on the Asian Cinema Film Club. You know, Motorhead, that great Asian band that they are. Oh, yeah, Lemmy was... <laughs> but yeah let's get the worst thing out of the way so as i said at the top of the hour i've managed to find a movie that is somehow worse than medallion the jackie chan phoning in entry that uh we looked at i believe it was on the last episode we talked about what that one was that one of the episode before i'm losing track of where we are with them all now but um the one of the worst films I've seen this month is uh, 1997's Armageddon. I don't know if it st- stands out to you, Stephen. So, sorry, what Armageddon? As in 1997, not the 1998 version with uh, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never heard of this film. Okay, well, you saved yourself probably two hours of your life. Um, I thought I thought another film on your list was going to come worse. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> but let's stick with Armageddon. Okay. Yes, this was the absolute low point. This is like, this was I think the film I watched just before the last film, and I was like, this is the film which is going to break me. Um, it's directed by Gordon Chan. It's basically an X Files esque thriller in which uh, ten of the most influ- ten most influential scientists in the world are being mysteriously killed. The letterbox synopsis says um, that one spontaneously combusted, one's microwave to death, um, which is essentially just to say that the the two death scenes we get here are pretty much identical. And those are the only highlights of this movie, because basically you're going to watch this uh, two hours of Andy Lowe moping about his dead ex-girlfriend, 
before they go to Prague and he mopes about her some more. Um, and he doesn't help the fact that she's killed off in the most comedic fashion when she's just walking across the road and gets hit by a bus. And all the while, Anthony Wong plays the police officer best friend who uh, basically follows him around and acts as his bodyguard to protect him from the mysterious forces that may be trying to assassinate him. It basically devolves into an absolutely confusing mess that you probably will have tuned out of by the end. Um, so I have no clue what's what's going on here. I know that there was two really cool death sequences and that equates to about five minutes of good movie in a two-hour movie. So I, I've never even heard of this movie before, right? Um, <laughs> good for you. And, and and now you've ruined it all. I'd seen you logged Armageddon on <laughs> Letterboxd and I just assumed you were talking. You were having, you know, some solidarity with poor Bruce Willis or something. No, um, no, no, no. So, so, yeah, well, you know, these things happen. Um, I'm looking at the reviews on Letterboxd. <laughs> and, yeah, um... It's clearly inspired by the X-Files or by Dan Brown, one of the two. Um, it's a shame. The car sounds all right. Andy Lau, Michelle Rice, um, Anthony Wong, Vincent Cock. You know, in this era, you, you would have thought that would have been all right. But um, even Gordon Chan as director. But yeah, um, I see words like well shot but muddled. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know what some of the Chinese reviewers are saying, but none of the star ratings are very high. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Mo- is, so all I will say is, would this film... Is this film half a star better because Anthony Wong's in it? The Anthony Wong is probably one of the only good things in this movie. Um, yeah, I mean, our, th- our thesis that he makes anything better... Does does this film um, make that hypothesis stand up? Um, his bits are good. We also have we also he does that really cliche thing of we're gonna have a British MI six agent and of course he's called James. <laughs> yeah, well, this isn't the we, first time we, this has happened either. <laughs> this. No, this is this is a quite a common thing in eighties and nineties. Uh, Hong Kong cinema, yeah, it's an it's an easy win. Yeah. All right. Well, this guy doesn't even get listed in like the cast. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he speaks English in it, um, right? And I'm sure that there's a guy, another guy beside him who's kind of like his little um, fellow officer. Who, from what it appears to them, he's translating what the other actors are saying so that he knows his cue. Because he's just, he's, you see him like constantly like whispering over to him, and then the other actors like stopping. Then he go, "Oh yes," <laughs> then just gives his bit in English, and everyone just like nods along, like, "Yeah, we know what you're talking about." Um, I just want okay. to know how weird well, that must be, like, because I, I mean, I was um, talking to Kim was... about this, and she said apparently this film was a big deal when it came out. To who? I have no idea. Because those people aren't on Letterbox, that's for sure. Um, no, I'd never even heard of it. But yeah, it would have done because it was hitting the whole X-Files thing, wasn't it? Um, and Andy Lau's always a big deal. You know, he's, he's like one of the top three bankable stars. But I used to also see it's nearly two hours long, which <laughs> is pretty rare for a Hong Kong movie, a proper, you know. Oh, well, 
Shall we move on? I this, just... is, this only gets worse. <laughs> I mean, this, this, the fact that Gordon Chan has now directed two of the worst movies in this month. He not only directs The Medallion, but he also directed this. Yeah, um, and and we talked when we talked about the medallion that he's a guy with not too bad a record. <laughs> well, what's going on? I thought not. Like, look, <coughs> just having a quick look at how Letterbox is because Letterbox have sort of stacked all these good stuff at the top, and then when you start getting into it, it sort of like becomes a little clearer that you know it's it's all like at the top we got like Fist of Legend, Thunderbolt, all that sort of good stuff. Um, then we scroll down a little further, and it's like 2000 AD, which is awful. And he also did, like, the King of the Fighters <laughs> live-action film. Yeah, but, you, you know, he did Fight Back to School and King of Beggars, pe- the modern painted skin. Yeah, um, he also did First Option with your favourite hero, f- Michael Wong. <sighs> yeah, right. Um, Okinawa Rendezvous, you know, he... Okinawa Rendezvous, which is quite a good film. Um, he did the former... I mean, he is a bit of a... I sort of do relate him to sort of mainland China taking over from taking over Hong Kong scenario, but I think that's a bit unfair. Yeah, he's got he's basically got a pretty mixed CV, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> he's eighteen Golden Destroyers. I, said, I know that's ripping off. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen them all, but yeah. So he's got he's had three three entries this month because he did he did Beast Cops as well. Didn't he did he? do Beast Cops, yes. So one out of three for you there. Uh, next up, we've got Herman, another entry from Herman Yao, who I think is destined to be my director of the year if my letterbox rankings match up. I know Anthony Wong has pretty much clinched his point <laughs> actor of the year. Unless unless you do another actor later in the year, yeah. If you would like to suggest a way to ruin my life for a month, then please feel free to email us at hey. acfilmclub at yahoo.co.uk. Dot com. Hit us up on the website, asiansimmerfilmclub.wordpress.com, or we're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Please feel free to let us know your suggestions for how I can spend a month. Yeah, we could get you doing Michael Wong movies. Well, has Michael Wong got enough movies for a month? Oh, I think so. Oh, God. I don't think he appears very much in many of them, but yeah. That would actually be easier, because it's not really like I'm going to have to like sit and read subtitles too much. Um... Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh, my God. But, no, the plan, as we were talking about off air, is to do at least five of these. So we got two down, and we've got another three to go. So feel free to shoot me your ideas, and uh, we will add them to the board. And, you know, if something jumps out to us, then you can be responsible for ruining my month for a year. Ruining my life for a month. <laughs> See? It's all going to pot now. Um... To which I attribute our next selection, a film which if we didn't cover it, we'd end up getting moaned at. And that's Ebola Syndrome by Herman Yao from 1996. Do you like this one? I love Ebola Syndrome. I rewatched it just for this. Did you? Because I knew you had to come up with it. Jesus Christ. It's, yeah, it's it's one of the classic Cat 3s. It's one of the classic Herman Yao. Um, Anthony Wong Cat 3s, I think you've covered... Three of them, although the Taxi Hunter is a bit of a stretch to call it a Cat Three, really. Um, it's a hilarious <laughs> comedy horror. I'm glad you had I fun thought, with this. Oh, I mean, you don't take it seriously, do you? <laughs> it's, it's 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 clearly a comedy um, <laughs> with some of the best 
gross out shit and Anthony Wong having an absolute blast. <laughs> oh god. This is Anthony Wong a piece scumbaggery of his cat free era. Here he plays a rather greasy guy, um, who is involved in a in a massacre and escapes to South Africa where he ends up contracting Ebola before returning to Hong Kong and contaminating everyone, but not before he's uh, engaged in some untold story-style antics of uh, bumping off uh, his enemies and turning them into burgers, who also he's contaminated with Ebola, so he starts an Ebola outbreak in two different countries. Um, This is basically an unfun version of the untold story. That's how I viewed this one. Um, if you thought that Untold Story needed more sexual violence, then uh, enjoy this one because it's really heavy on that. It's it's got no, it's got it, it it's got misogyny. It's got racism in both directions. Um, it's got a public service announcement message. It's <laughs> not spitting in your food. Um, it's. It's um. It's also this isn't how Ebola is, by the way. I mean, you don't just start getting St Vitus dance and shaking at random instances and dying. It's it's horrible, but I think it's hor- I just think it's so out there. It's just to me, it's just hilarious. Uh, Wong's character is so irredeemable there is nothing about him which you can like when you said greasy that just covers a multitude of sins um you didn't mention how he caught ebola he caught ebola by raping a dead woman or a dying woman yeah um he he at the beginning of the film he he's having an affair with some woman and you just get, and he's pretty fucking greasy then <laughs> He gets caught in the act. He's 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 beaten up by the by the cuckolded husband and his mate, but then turns the tables and ends up killing the cuckolded husband, the mate, and the woman he was having sex with by cutting her tongue off, which is gross. Um it's all watched by a little girl who later he he runs away to South Africa. Um the little girl grows up to be a uh, what do we call it now? Cabin crew yep. person who 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 stumbles upon him in a restaurant, having <laughs> a lucky escape from. But apparently, she has this thing where she starts to vomit when she smells him. <laughs> he got the superpower of smelling Anthony Wong, bringing out the wretches in her, which continues through the film, and then she ends up just getting written out of the whole film because it's of no... They just get bored of that idea. She takes no part other than saying, hey, police, it's him. And then just disappears. I don't know what happened to... I can't. I don't think anything happens to... I don't think we see any follow-up. No, because um, um, by the time we get into... We get back to uh, Hong Kong, it's just basically... is He's worse than the monkey in Outbreak at this point. <laughs> Oh god! Oh yeah, sorry. So he 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 screws. So out in the after suffering some racism in South Africa, which is like really <laughs> that was a bit easy, wasn't it? Um, he 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 has an argument with his boss. He finds some poor native woman dying by the side of a creek, 
that's, that's, I can't think of what an English term, I'm going to use an American term, rapes her, catches Ebola, but turns out to be one in 10 million people who don't suffer any ill effects and just become a carrier. He kills his boss and the wife after a bit of sexual violence, chops them up, turns them into buns because they didn't do that enough in Untold Story. <laughs> Goes back to Hong Kong and then hooks up with a woman we've never met before but turns out was his girlfriend beforehand, even though none of that is mentioned at all. <laughs> and puts his... um. Puts not only the woman, she's going out with a heroin addict who wants 3,000 Hong Kong dollars to give his wife to Anthony Wong. She obviously can't smell him. Well, she makes him wash his hands, doesn't she? Um, he puts this poor little girl to... Oh, God, the little girl that's the daughter of her, his ex-girlfriend. He manages to strangle to death in his escape without realising it in one of the worst uses of a doll i've ever seen in a film but it's just so for me it's just so over the top so stupid his character is utterly irredeemable and i just can't take it seriously and therefore i think it's brilliant but i know i think you're more of a fan of the untold story i was more a fan of untold story yeah untold story basically hits all the same notes but it's a lot is more fun i found um, the one high point of Ebola syndrome, though, is the ending where he gets set on fire and then hit by a car uh, before a dog consumes part of his melted flesh that then goes in there, uh, which means it contracts Ebola, which then goes and licks the ice cream of a little girl. The, cons- <laughs> the virus continues. Oh, no, that flesh, remember, that's what he, he... The police, instead of shooting him with bullets, decide to shoot him with darts full of poison. Do you remember he gets cut oh, by a yeah. dart and he cuts his cuts it out of him, even though that, again that's not how any of it it's not how anything works. But I just think it's just nuts and you just can't take it too seriously. Some of the special effects there's a um like an autopsy that you see where a doctor Oh yeah. they yeah. they splice that, in footage of real Ebola victims um oh, yeah. with the with these rather gooey autopsy sequences. Um, again, this is all very sort of classic cat free stuff. So if you're a fan mm. of cat free, then you pretty not much know what to expect here. But I think this is really kind of like the Taj Mahal of cat free movies, in just that it hits pretty much all the ones that uh, all the major things. I think the only thing it doesn't really hit is police brutality, which obviously we got with Untold Story. But Untold Story let, didn't have as much sexual violence as uh, Ebola syndrome does. So. No, it's got it's got the useless cops in it again, mind you. <laughs> yeah, but again, they're not as fun as the ones in Untold no, Story, not, are not, they? I mean, not they, at all. they don't eat oh, the evidence. Oh, I've forgotten. I've forgotten the sex scene with his boss and his wife, where he goes, "I'm oh, bird. I'm a plane. I'm <laughs> Superman." <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. I, I think this is great, but I get it. I get I get I get why you wouldn't like it <laughs> as much as I do. But yeah, it's one of my fa- it's my favourite Cat Three film. Um But uh, the film is also produced by Wong Jing, who is another name yeah. that um you'd be familiar with for this show or if you're a fan of genre cinema because he's pretty much had his you know, his fingers in many of the genre pies. 
Um, I mean, he's done everything from Naked Killer. He did Naked Weapon. You've got a, you've got another one coming up. I know, but I've got another one which I didn't even realize was part of that Naked One. He did the Rape by an Angel movies. He did Body Weapon, Better Tomorrow Two. It's you go for it, and it's sort of like it's title after title that you sort of recognize, and you don't ever sort of associate Wong Jing as being associated with these movies, but he's responsible for so much of the cinema that sort of broke through in, especially in like the 90s to the early 2000s, so a lot of genre cinema especially, Um, and certainly a lot of the more controversial cinema, shall we say. A lot of cat-free stuff. I mean, to be fair to Wong, I mean, I... Many years ago, I did something similar to you on my blog. I did a Wong Jing month and only watched movies that he directed or produced. And I was very, you know, I, I took it from he's produced a load of shit. Um, but that's only part of the story. Um, you know, he has he has been present at some of the worst movies ever. But at the same time, he has been... He's like one of those driving forces in Hong Kong cinema during its golden age, and and you know he helped create a number of stars like Stephen Chow, um, even though he just seemed to put his money in anything. And you know the idea is you make movies quickly, make a bit of money, put the money in the next one. He's so, like Roger Corman, really, isn't he? He's he's like what if Roger Corman was MGM though (laughs) he is you know he is making the Cantonese language films the Mandarin language films and he's still doing it now yeah yeah um and it and it's very easy you know and he's directed stuff as well and 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 for every nine pieces of rubbish he puts out or every eight pieces of rubbish there'll also be a good film and actually there'll be a film like like this which is I would say significant um in hong kong cinema but yeah it's not a, it's not a it's not quite a mark of um disapproval having wong jing on it but yeah but there we go uh next up we have another movie also produced by wong jing the third film in the naked trilogy which uh, used trilogy in probably the most loosest terms even for Asian cinema. This one's uh, pretty loose, but that's Naked Soldier. It's a movie that Steven doesn't like, but I thought it was okay. Um, oh, God, it's pants. <laughs> it's, it's biggest flaw of all. There's not even any naked in it. <laughs> or soldiers, come to think of it. That's soldiers. Well, there's assassins, okay, and policemen. Yeah, there isn't there isn't any soldiers. Yeah, I I didn't even know this film existed, mate. But... <laughs> I only know it existed because I'm looking for Anthony Wong's filmography on Letterbox and go, well, that looks like it might be possible. Yeah, I mean, I think we what we did um we did the second one. I mean, it's not really a trilogy; it's just three films with naked in it the is. title that happened to is. star women. We... But we did um naked. We killer i want to no, say no no we did naked weapon we did naked, naked the one with Maggie yeah because naked it? killer is the one with that iconic poster ching my yao's yeah um and we've never got on to covering it we've never even mentioned it in passing which is kind of a sh- oh, an oversight on our part but this one's uh, directed by marco max Sik, um who also did color of truth he did cop on a mission and a bunch of other stuff that nobody ever watched 
Or that we haven't watched anyway, so. But, um, yeah, this is a Sammo Hung vehicle in which uh, his... He plays a um, a cop who is breaks up the drug ring of um, of this female crime boss uh, called Madame Rose, and she takes revenge by killing his his wife's family and blowing him up, as well as kidnapping his daughter and brainwashing her to become join her league of glamorous assassins. Now, some eighteen years later. Um, his uh, daughter, now renamed Phoenix, is having flashbacks to her past. And at the same time, Sam Hung's uh, detective is on the case to try and bring down Madame Rose once and for all. This is a film which has one of the most awful dub tracks I think I've ever heard. Um, it also features Sam Hung defeating Anthony Wong's surprise villain by sitting on him, essentially. To which he remarks, you're so heavy, and then cops it. Yeah. It also stars Jennifer Say, who is the sister of Nick Say, as we've as we've um brought up many times before, who I've actually she's in Bruce Lee, my brother, which she's quite good in, but in this film she has two facial expressions. Smiling or constipated. <laughs> At least that's what I assume she is I think she's acting when I mean, she's constipated. Samo Hung, you say it's a Samo Hung vehicle. He seems to have turned up for a couple of days of filming. <laughs> to be fair, the the fight sequences aren't bad at all. I mean, they're they're edited in that sort of two thousands way that the um, Hong Kong movies are, and it's very glossy and it's very nicely shot and all that. But yeah, Andy Ons in it as well, who's another person I can't really stand, um, which is interesting because Jennifer Say married him. That must have been a fucking fun relationship. Um, uh, yeah, it's. To me, it's just I don't know. The the um the only thing I liked about it was Samo Hung. Not only so at the opening sequence, his whole family is massacred yeah. at Christmas in Florida. Luckily, near to a hospital where people only speak Mandarin, but that, let's not worry about that. Um, and 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 it's horrible. You know, kids get killed in this thing. His wife gets killed. His his, his mother gets killed, his <laughs> young son gets killed, his daughter survives. I'm never really sure why Madame Rose is killing him, but someone's... Because he, bre- he breaks up um, his her drug That's ring right, at the they, start. And yeah, finds, like, with more fucking cocaine or heroin or whatever it is that is humanly possible to own, he gets. But yeah, he and he survives. 15 years later, he's adopted another girl, right? Who's like this tomboy-esque thing that he has this sort of weird relationship yeah. with Ivy. and she's fantastic i can't, i don't know what the actress that's lena lamb um she's also really highlights in this film that the <laughs> actors who can fight uh like samo can and then there's ones who can't and just rely on some very questionable wire foo um as is the case of lena lamb but she mm. does get to team up with samo for father daughter kick ass kung fu as they name their fighting style for the big showdown at the end when they take on Anthony Wong's surprise villain, as we said um, already. But this is basically just a rehash of Naked Weapon. Mm. This is basically what it is. You have... I mean, Jennifer Say even looks like Maggie Q. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, I thought it was her to start with. Where you just basically got these girls that are brainwashed into becoming assassins and they go through pretty much the same training that we see in um, 
naked weapon. The only difference is we don't have someone hide up a coconut tree to jump on someone. Mm. Which is oh god, <laughs> we have this international drug lord gang that turn out well three of, that all turn out to be like characters from a questionable fighting game, <laughs> including including the gay fella who who goes around with some kind of foxtail in his hand. I, I don't know what is going on there. I mean, he's 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 he's, he's ultra camp. Yeah. But that 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 in of itself is it's just horrible. And then the tiger wife, the Thai one, that's like, I know where they're going with that as well. I mean, it's just cliches and stereotypes. And but it it would be it just it just feels like it's the movie for some unmade Street Fighter clone or something. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a scene where they where they he get the police money gets uh, recruited for um, attempt to test his detection ability so they have some poor girl disguise herself with a fake bomb to which Samo responds by beating the living hell out of her punching a woman in the face a middle aged woman in the face which turns out was a test I mean the poor girl just was there to bring in the tea (laughs) and she just gets punched in the face but but but, yeah but he didn't know you know she is a um, it's part of this elaborate thing to either prove that he's still up for the fight 15 years later i mean this is prime samo he's a big lad right and they even every attention every time they get they draw attention to the fact he's fat which i know is normally a thing in a samo hung movie but you'd have thought after 20 years of this would have got over it um or it's a test for he he's kind of just seeing if they're worthy of his time <laughs> it's just weird but he sort of dro- drops in and out of the movie does Samo. I, I do wonder quite how involved with the whole gig he was or they said can you turn up for three days next week and look at your scene stuff yeah but you said this but I mean he's still he's not exactly phoning it in no no that wasn't that wasn't um, what I meant at all which is, it's just it's just it's great it's to just, see I mean Samo is like one of the few performers who has never seemingly lost a beat I mean you see him in Ant Man 2 you see him in SPL where he's again both movies he's going toe to toe with uh, Donnie Yen and uh, mm. absolutely holding his own and, and here we also get to see him do the chopstick fighting which is something yep. I love seeing in Kung Fu movies where you have something banal um, and they just turn it into like this sort of playful uh, Kung Fu scene and Samuel has done this bit several times before in other movies but he always has done it better than anyone else I've always felt and here he's doing this whole thing where he decides his daughter for obsessing him is going to only eat rice. So they have this whole thing where they're like fighting over the, the uh, ingredients on the table. And there's also a scene where someone gets x-rayed and they're reading off all the things he ate for lunch. He's like, oh, you had pork chop and spaghetti. And it's like, yes, Samuel's fat. We got it. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, he's the best thing about this film by a million miles it's just it's it, there's just not enough of him in it and then we have to spend hours watching fucking jennifer say have a shit <laughs> no sorry act and 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 the unconvincing love story with the policeman played by andy it's just oh, that is weird dear. isn't it <laughs> it is so it's so weird the fact he does he turns up at this university for whatever reason and she's like the star student to this professor he's talking to. And then he just like becomes absolutely infatuated with her. 
and he like buys this book on criminology and stuff and it's all like ah it just there's no chemistry whatsoever there no it's i mean yeah he's i'm not a big fan of him anyway yeah this this was what i thought you were going to say was worse than the medallion oh really (laughs) no no this is probably my least favorite film of of the whole month this is in the middle of the road territory so, um, what's next? I'm just, what's I'm next? just Come obviously on, see, you on. got me curious on where <laughs> I actually rated, ranked this one. This was number twenty-six. Yeah, so, so that's right near the bottom. It's above Legend of the Fist. It's above Time and Tide. It's above Ebola Syndrome. You're mental. You've got no taste. No taste. <laughs> you in your high-class movies? I don't. Know. No, Madam City Hunter <laughs> was sixteen though. Yeah, that was good. That was that. Madam City Hunter has been the surprise for me. Okay, little the little gem. I mean, it's got it's got its problems, but I I enjoy Madam City Hunter. That's good. Um, next one, we had to one of the obvious highlights of this month going into it, and we kind of obviously knew that it was going to be a highlight, and that's the Infernal Affairs trilogy. Um, I think Infernal Affairs is a it's the trilogy is something that we need to do a as an episode really just to sort of get into the ins and outs of it but the original film uh, directed by Andrew Law and Alan Mack uh, remade as The Departed which essentially took parts one and two and turned it into Scorsese's own thing which finally gave him that all elusive Oscar although it could be argued that the Academy just basically needed to give him an Oscar because a lot of people they were giving Oscars to at that point were posthumous and they didn't really want to do that with Scorsese so they gave it him for The Departed um, there are people out there who say The Departed is better than Infernal Affairs um, those people are wrong Departed isn't bad film it's just it's a cover version and it's a well made cover version but it's not better than the original <laughs> you know it's got Marky Mark in it for one exactly <laughs> um, but in this one Tony Lung Chu Wei which Tony is that? that's little Tony there you go um, he plays a cop who is sent undercover as a mole in the triad uh, run in particular the gang run by Eric Toussaint's um, Hon Sam at the same time, Hon Sam has sent his own mole into the police force, uh, played by Andy Lowe, um, with the two basically trying to figure out the identity of the other as they play a game of cat and mouse, uh, with both of them trying to maintain their identities within their respective forces and expose the other. Uh, Anthony Wong here plays a good guy. He plays the, the mentor to... Um, Tony Lung's character and his death still stings. Yeah, he gets thrown to the top of a building. Yep. One I would have saved. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the filmmakers also realised that there wasn't enough Anthony Wong because they fixed that in the second movie. Yeah, he manages to come back in the other two so he pulls the cherry on fatness. <laughs> which is really great when you're looking for movies to fill out your 31. Um, are you including this as three separate movies this is three separate movies gotcha okay um so we yes obviously the the original infernal affairs i think is a fantastic movie whether you look at it as a trilogy or just on its own 
Um, certainly yeah. the, the first entry is the film that I return to the most out of the trilogy. If I'm feeling, you know, depending on what mood, mood, kind of mood I'm in, I will look at the second film, which is a prequel. But for my money, it went on slightly too long. But it fleshes uh, out a lot of the characters that we see. It basically provides the background information that we get glimpses of at the start of Infernal Affairs of how he gets into the gang and uh, his early years undercover as a mole for the gang and the same for his uh, counterpart. Um, so, so I think the, the first film, oh, not, the, the first film is a classic, right? It's a rightful classic. It didn't do anything in particular that we hadn't seen in Hong Kong crime dramas before. You know, it's a Johnny Toe film in, in, in many ways, but it's brilliantly filmed, brilliantly directed. It's got this high class, um, cast in it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's got star power dripping out of its every pore. And at least in the proper version, we're not going to talk about the, the mainland Chinese ending. You know, it's got that kind of <laughs> well, The one that makes number three impossible. Yeah. Well, well, maybe we will talk about it. But yes, it, you know, the, the ending is, is that the bad guy wins, basically. Um, I wasn't even going to reveal that. I was just going to reveal the fact no, that. I yeah, so I suppose we can't, can we? So can. Yeah, it's it's it, it's a film that's old enough. I think we can spoil the ending. But yeah, that's a that's that's pretty shocking. But we again, it's not something we hadn't seen before. It's just it was so well made. The second film, which which you know has the balls to open with a scene from the first film, <laughs> the best film between um, Anthony Wong and Eric Tsang that they sort of replay, goes back. But I think it's a fantastic prequel. I think it's one of the best prequel films ever because it doesn't ruin the first film at all. Um, it's helped, you know, the, the, the young cast, Sean Yu and um, Akin Cheng, you know, Akin might not be able to act but at least he looks like Andy Lau might have done when he was younger um but it, it provides you know there's a relationship between um Andy Lau's character and Sam's wife which makes some sense later on it just shows you where they came from it's an interesting thriller in its own right because there's this whole story about Francis Ng and his gang that, that you know a, a mistake that Anthony Wong character has fundamentally made has led to him becoming as a crime lord, it shows you how Sam ended up where he ended up. Um, I really liked it. Again, don't think it did anything new. Um, few less stars in it. You know, obviously no Andy Lau or um, Little Tony in it. But I just thought it was. I just think it's. I think it's great. I love number two. I know. I know why. You know, you might have thought it was a little over long. I I, I hear you there. Um, but I just think it's so. A, a prequels often have to sort of tie themselves in knots or start doing retroactive continuity stuff comic book style you know to change i don't know it, it did, i just don't feel it ever had to tie bend over backwards to try and make sure the original film wasn't harmed and i think this did this just adds more layers and background to characters and stands up on its own the third film i just think's unnecessary but <laughs> it's just fair enough <laughs> just I didn't need it. It'd have been happy if it wasn't a trilogy. You'd be happy with just knowing the bad guy won. Yeah, I just think that's the best bit of the whole thing. However, in mainland China, not only do I know that it's it's not the most egregious egregious um, rewrite of a film ever. That goes to the uh, the current streaming version of Fight Club on uh, on mainland television, where they just 
don't even have the end and they just have a bullet point chart telling you what they said should have happened um yeah i i it's just it's just like just get everybody back don't they and, and there's flashbacks this and flashbacks yeah I don't it's a prequel uh, as well as a sequel indeed which is um an interesting feat yeah but um i it's i don't know it's i suppose it's like what godfather 3 is the godfather trilogy it's there yeah <laughs> it's there it's not horrible don't get me wrong it, it hasn't got Sophia Coppola in it why so does everyone it's... fucking crap over <laughs> Sophia Coppola she stepped she's... in because we're an older rider couldn't do it so Coppola's fine. there looking I've got an attractive daughter I probably don't have to pay her <laughs> so but she it doesn't problem stop solved. her being it doesn't stop her being fucking let's not we'll step back she is a fantastically talented lady, right? She's she's a writer, she's a director, she's yeah. a producer, she's a fashion muse, she's a model, she's got more but, hats than a haberdashery. But at that stage in her life, she couldn't act. <laughs> and they put she's her in a film a, with a lot of actors. She's from a like, filmmaking dynasty. There are three generations of award-winning copplers. I mean, only um, the Houstons come close to that I think the Houston's the only other three generations of, of filmmakers um, the jo- Jolie's uh, family are t- only two generations so but no I mean the couplers they're like they're like a f- their own mafia family over there when you take into account all the cousins and everything else that's associated with it because it's like Jason uh, Schwartzman's related to them Nicholas Cage is related to them. Roman Coppola's is obviously her brother. So yeah, yeah. But you're just naming a load of people that are better at acting than his wife. <laughs> even directed like Hearts of Darkness, the documentary about her husband mm. going insane in Vietnam. Anyway, we've digressed. To oh my god! I, I I think yeah. I, I I there are good things in Godfather Three. Um, yes, I'm. Let's not shit over poor Sophia anymore. It's not as there's nothing as horrible as that. It just it just feels unnecessary. It just feels it's a bit of a forced trilogy. Okay. Um, I, I I don't know. You know, there are things in Infernal Affairs too. You know, they use the the actors that play the main characters' roles, even though it's not really about them. Infernal Affairs two is about Sam and Anthony Wong's character, really. Um, oh god I've just forgotten there is a terrible thing in Infernal Affairs 2 where one of the characters can't speak Cantonese and he's dubbed the whole entire way through the film until he's blown up in a car and it just really shows he's a really good actor but why couldn't they just pick somebody who doesn't have to be dubbed because it makes his scenes really weird <laughs> with the people he's acting with but yeah no the, the you know I could watch the first two on their own without worrying about the others. The third one, I just don't think, exists on its own in the same way. Groovy. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> and indeed does. <laughs> Often. Uh, wrapping up this month, though, we had a sequel, um, which is The Untold Story 2 from 1998. Um... A film which I would argue is actually better than the original. 
I don't know if you've seen Untold Story 2. I'm afraid I'm going to finally let you down this episode. You've picked a film oh, I haven't so, seen. Well, I, just, <laughs> I should have sent it over to you. This one is this one is like so good. This one is is so 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 good. Uh, Anthony Warren returns despite obviously dying in the original one, but he plays a different character now, as he plays the wonderfully named Officer Lazy Boots. <laughs> Why is he Officer Lazy Boots? Because he's a lazy, bumbling slob. He's like basically, uh, pl- like um, Chief Wiggum. <laughs> but um, he's best friends with uh, this this guy who owns a who owns like a barbecue shop, and he's in a bit of an unhappy marriage, and he sees a what he thinks is an escape by hooking up with his wife's super attractive cousin who comes to stay with them. And what initially think seems like, oh, this is a fun, you know, sweeping romance. She's kind of like the Asian cinema version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She wants like them to go to... Do you know the wedding boutiques that, that uh, couples go to to have their photos taken prior to the wedding? Well, that's a big thing in China. Yeah. So, yeah. You see yeah. it in The Farewell. Um, I believe it's in a, another couple of movies they've, they've highlighted this. But I think The Farewell is the most recent example I can think of this uh where, where couples would go and they they stand on these stages and have these really elaborate photos taken no like sometimes they pretend that they're in other countries and things yes like that, exactly yeah. you can have like a backdrop of the eiffel tower or um pompeii or whatever takes your fancy and uh, they they will make them up, and basically they go off, and they she's like, oh, I wouldn't it be like funny if we like pretend to be a married couple. We have these photos taken. Um, turns out she's got an absolute screw loose. This is fatal attraction all over again, as uh, basically she's quickly uses it to blackmail him uh, before she offs his wife and turns her into barbecue, which she then feeds to the resident. Um, the local sort of clientele who include uh, Anthony Wong chowing down, having no idea that they're chowing down on uh, his wife. Um, and what basically follows is uh, him being trying to find a way to deal with her. She goes like completely psycho. It's a real, really, really fun movie. And I think you should definitely check it out. Don't be put off if you didn't like Untold Story, as this one's a lot lighter, even though it just features some heavy violence in places including a woman being carved up in a bathtub with an electric saw um someone being attacked with an electric saw and there's also some crucifixion which i guess is the best way to to describe it with our main character being nailed to a bed Uh, but no electric saw there no no electric saw (laughs) actually wong saves his finger for being cut off with his wedding band though so that's a good thing to know if you've been attacked with electric saw use your wedding band (laughs) Um, that's a reason to get married (laughs) yeah exactly just in case Uh, but this one yeah I had a really fun time with this this was a really great um, highlight in finish to the end because I looked at the cover and it looks like one of those awful cat free ones like uh, Man Behind the Sun sort of thing where you think oh my god this is going to be like grotesque and horrible but this one was actually a lot lighter than Unto's story it doesn't go as hard and it's as I say it's got that I don't, I don't, it's not the Black Widow, is it? Why do we describe these movies like Fatal Attraction where uh, a single white female, the... Bunny boiler type movie. Yeah, basically. (laughs) uh, This is as close as I think we're going to get 
to seeing a Hong Kong version of a bunny boiler movie. So Anthony Wong isn't the. No, he's he, not the he's, guy he's from the first the, one. No, but he's not even the bad guy. No, no, in this he's one. just a he's a bumbling he's, cop. Yeah, as Astrid on um, <laughs> Astrid, who seems to have reviewed it twice on Letterboxd. She loved it that much. About <laughs> in her first review, she just calls it. I, I assume Astrid, you're a lady. In your two out of five review, you say just say so terrible, it's hilarious. But then have obviously come back to it and given it a three and a half star review <laughs> and said, you'll never come across a better cop name in a movie than Officer Lazy Boots. So obviously Astrid and you are, are very in sync on this. Uh, Jin Yu, however, says, why did I even watch it? And still gives it two and a half stars. So Jin Yu has got a very strange... <laughs> a very black and white view to cinema. <laughs> two and a half. Why did I watch it? Um... Must give lots of fives out. Um, no, I, I will watch. There's a third one as well, isn't it? I don't know if Anthony there is Wong's a third one. Anthony Wong's not in it, so hence we didn't cover it uh, this season. Yeah, but I, again, it's got nothing to do with the first two ones. It's directed by Herman Yao, though, and it's releasing the greatest movie year ever, 1999. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. this, but this this one is uh, this one is is Yao free. It is. Um, Yu Quen. Yeah. Okay. Never heard of him. It's got a really convoluted synopsis on Letterbox as well, so I'm not even going to try and <laughs> do that one. But it's got Sam Lee, uh, Samuel Lung, Sam Lee, who's in Mano Tai Chi, as well as Beast Cops. Okay. Oh, and then again, it's got somebody smoking a pipe on the front cover. <laughs> is that? <laughs> is that? Is that? Uh, for some reason, this reminds me of uh, Better Tomorrow Free, Love and Death in Saigon. For some reason. Uh, and I could get. I think. I think reading letterbox reviews might be my new hobby. Um, another one here: no cannibalism, no nudity, and only slight dismembering. <laughs> Fans of the original untold story shouldn't get too excited. Um, we should, we should just start reading the YouTube comments. They're normally the best one for the real crazies, mm. especially when they start arguing with each other. Believe you me. Actually, Sean, I know Sean. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Sean Gilman. Sean, who has mm. Sean the Sheep as his. <laughs> he does, but I know him. He's a Twitter. He's a Twitter person. Is that he? I know, and um, I've probably done writing with him or something. Seattle but... screen scene, apparently. Yeah. Um... He didn't want to give us his top five. Why not, Sean? <laughs> Hopefully, Sean listens. That would be nice, wouldn't it? It but, would. Um... Yes, I can tell. I know. I know. I like Sean because he thinks Untold Story Three is an allegory for um, for Hong Kong. And he also didn't rate Coda. He only gave yeah, it to Coda well. two stars, despite it winning the Academy Award for Best Film. Oh, he's just showing off. He's got Apple Plus and Apple TV. What is on <laughs> Apple Plus? I don't. Apple I think TV. there's like six things on there, isn't there, or something? Well, obviously Coda. Which is the only way you, you'll ever be able to see it is by getting Apple TV or downloading it off the internet. Um, and Ted Lasso, which is the, one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Is it but though? Again, it's about football. <gasps> I don't want to watch It's football. not about football. It, it happens to be about a man who's a football manager. I, will, I was on the Ted Lasso thing in season one and everyone else came to it in season two and said, oh, isn't it amazing? But I knew it was amazing in season one. It's 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 a wonderful piece of TV and it shouldn't be locked behind Tim Cook's video machine. I think, but I don't think there's much else good on Apple TV. Got to be honest with you. 
Everyone can tell us now. Why Why should Elwood or I get an Apple TV subscription? Because there's that Sophia Coppola movie on there and that yeah. servant about the woman with the real, the reborn doll. Okay. I, again, um, I, d- I don't know. Which I'm... I only know about because the director of, of uh, Raw and uh, Titany directed a couple Titan. of... Titan. Mm. I know it's Titan, French for titanium. It is, yeah. Um, Titane, probably. Which is still... How you meant to say it. How to say. Movie of the year. It is is fantastic. If only we could talk about French cinema on this podcast, we would have some things to say about that movie. Well, we could, but... (laughs) You know, if we had a world cinema film club, now, oh, the things we could tell you. Well, absolutely, but uh, um, I, we, we stretch enough with the number of countries that are in Asia. <laughs> yeah, but we also, our amazing plan for April Fool's, to be, just to pull back the curtain here, our amazing plan that we were going to do the Russian Film Club and just do like Stellaris and stuff. You know. And just, just pretend we'd always been a Russian um, film Appreciation Society, um, and then Putin went and fucked yeah, it up. Yeah, and then, really. and then of course Russians fight to invade the Ukraine, and it becomes not the best career move to come back Russian cinema. So, uh, but we should. But if anyone wants to hear us talk about world cinema, European world cinema, yes, we're we're up for it. You know, possible second show. Oh God. <laughs> You know, I can barely keep up. As long as I don't have any more months, where I have to keep watching bloody movies. <laughs> you watched about five movies this month. I've watched over half okay. of the movies that you've watched, I, but this that's one I still sh- not thirty-one. Untold Story Two is one that I I really should have got the disc over to you because I think I wish I'd come to it earlier in the month just so that we could sell sung its praises. And- Got you a chance will, to see it because I think I it's, will definitely check it out. I will we'll sort you out, but um, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. And I'll if when I watch it, I'll bring it up in a, in a regular show as what I've watched this month. Okay, there's another one. There's a couple on Copper. Is it? What was the other one that I really wish I'd seen? Um, what was it called? Cop Identity or something like that? Oh, um, uh, Color of Truth. No, no. Um, oh, one, uh, Cop Image. Cop image, that's it. Yes, I'm. De- I've got a. Co- I found a copy of that, so I'm definitely going to be checking that out. Yeah, yeah uh, cop image was was interesting. I mean, obviously, it went in a different direction than I thought it would because in my head it was going to be like a dark psychological thriller of this guy being like obsessed with being a tough, tough guy movie cop. But um, instead, it's kind of like a light-hearted comedy in many ways in, um, but it also has a really jaw-dropping chase scene at the end as we mentioned uh, I believe on the last episode but looking at the just to run down the the top 10 of this month if you wanted took nothing away from it but uh, definitely check these ones out uh, obviously number 1 Hard Boiled number 2 Inferno Affairs number 3 a movie I love Stephen Hated Black Mask um, number f- oh, that was terrible. <laughs> number four, <laughs> the movie Fast and Furious wished it was Motorway. Uh, number five, the undercop, uh, the police corruption thriller Color of Truth. Number six, the much overlooked Ip Man: The Final Fight. Um, number seven, Full Contact with Chai Yun Fat, uh, directed by Ringo Lam and Johnny Toes. Exiled is at number eight. 
um, with Brendan Fraser doing his third outing for The Mummy in The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, and number 10, Moment of Romance 2. Those would be my top 10 picks, falling short, obviously, being Taxi Hunter at 11 and Heroic Trio at 12, which are also worth checking out. But if you go into our letterbox uh, page, you can find the complete rundown of what uh, we watched this month. You can find our Takashi Miike month, uh, run down as well and uh, of course if you want to check out full archive episodes please do head over to hsimmerfilmclub.wordpress.com which not only do we have you know all our archive we've got the whole chapter by chapter breakdown of battle royale we've got the we got our film votes we've got the anime vote we've got the dark side of asian cinema there's just so much good stuff over there as well um and also check us out on facebook and twitter and instagram come say hi to us our facebook page in particular is a really good hangout as we post something pretty much new every day not just relating to asian cinema but also pop culture stuff as well and uh, as, if you want to get an idea of what we could cover for a month then heads up let us know what you think uh, we should spend a month looking at. It doesn't have to be a director, it can be an actor, it can be a genre, um, a theme maybe. Just uh, let us know and we will put together a month viewing and uh, try and tackle it for your listening amusement. Anything, any final thoughts on this one, Stephen? No, I mean, I, I've always been a fan, fan of Anthony Wong, so I'm glad you chose him for this month. I think it was... Obviously, you've had a little bit more variety than you did in um, than them by picking a director. Um, you've got a couple of nuggets out, films that I'd never heard of that I've really enjoyed. Um, Taxi Hunter also springs to mind as a film I was utterly unaware of and actually it's bloody brilliant. And also, I think it's Anthony Wong's favourite film that he's made, with, certainly with Herman yeah. Yao. Um and you know, you've reminded me just how good the third mummy film is. Um and and also although you didn't like the Ebola syndrome, I did like watching it again. <laughs> it was bottom just, of the pile for you. Oh, it's one the one I felt yeah, I, I should um I'd probably put them in, a, in films in a slightly different order. Um yeah, I think a couple of them were just awful nineties, <laughs> early two thousands. Hong Kong shit that I can't stand, but Stephen's it just shows one. you, Madam City <laughs> Hunter. <laughs> oh, again, I thought that was brilliant. You know that 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 that's again another gem. I, I assume you just trawled Letterbox and various internet forums to f- trying to find films that you could watch, um, but not not a film I'd ever heard of. Um, got its flaws, but it's Cynthia Khan though. It's someone that I think we need to whose work mm, needs to be highlighted a lot more because he was so key to the girls with guns genre mm. um, I think it, I think it's, her work needs to be more recognised than it is um, no I, I, I agreed but I thought it was um, it was it was interesting there were so many films I hadn't seen I mean you cheated by doing three Infernal Affairs films but oh um, I'm sorry <laughs> it's not like I just I thought the rule was Anthony Wong had to be in it I didn't realise that doing three movies of the same song no, is cheating I'm yeah. being I'm being mean but, I could have um, done five Young and Dangerous movies if I wanted yeah, yeah you could have you could have done four the Rape by an Angel movies oh, as well God. so yeah the fact is um, that this month this week I found out there's I think there's like eight Rape Man movies which yeah. is not including the fact he has an anime series and I think a TV show as well mm. who needs this many movies of that Matt 
I don't know. But just bringing it back, also, there's a film like Exiled, which I'm shamed that I haven't seen. So I will... You've reminded me of a film I really should have watched. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of Johnny Toe movies, and there's a lot of movies of Simon Yam in, and that's not a hint everybody to do Simon Yam movies. But, um, yeah, no, I think it's been really interesting, really varied, and, you know, and, and I think you've come across films like Motorway, which maybe you wouldn't have... Um, watched before which is uh, i'm really glad you've seen because it's sort of that's the sort of film we'd we'll, never get round to normally which is a shame because it's excellent um and also you know we've managed to piss on jackie chan's hollywood career as well <laughs> so we've covered the whole thing the whole gamut of wong definitely so um but thank you for listening thank you for joining us on these weekly recaps as we've Trek through 31 Anthony Wong movies um, an actor who continues to produce fantastic work even if the films he's in sort of varying quality but, to but be... the hypothesis that Anthony Wong makes anything better is definitely upheld Yep, we've seen him go from playing sleazy guys to more respectable crime types and now just aging something or other mm, well he's played it man Come on, that's he has from 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 I can't remember the name of the guy in the untold story. Oh, but from that, from that to Ip Man, <laughs> from Chums Force Cannibal Cook, <laughs> yeah, some greasy mullet wearer. Oh to my god, bald Ip Man. Yes, I was having a conversation with Kim over at um, Movies and Tea, the other show I make, um, and we were discussing the evolution of Anthony Wong's hair. And how you can chart it into its current sort of like... It's kind of like a mohawk with more body to it that we saw in Gangster mm. Payday. And mm. then you can pretty much chart the evolution of his hair because it starts off really long in like full contact and um, especially in the bowler syndrome and it gets shorter. We have a couple of shaved heads here and there in like Moment of Romance 2 and then he's sort of evolving from like Exiled. Exiled is like really the start of that, the look he has in um, Gangster Payday. Mm. So, but anyway, thank you again for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show, as it uh, all helps raise the profile of the show as well. But thank you again for listening. Thanks to my co Stephen. Pleasure as always. And make sure you check out our main show, HSM Film Club, where our latest episode, The Handmaiden, should be out by now. And we've got something. We got another obscurity from you, Stephen, that's coming up as well. So, we have. We're looking at Shohei Imamura's um, *The Insect Woman*. So, I have a bit of time in Japan, in 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 art house Japan. <laughs> that'll that'll cheer you up. Um, but until next time, thank you for listening, and uh, we will be back very soon with another film pick. But until then, good night.